0: Jcastnetwork.org.
1: Welcome to Daily Daf Differently. This is Lewis Warshauer. Today we are studying Masechet Sukkah, Daf Vav, Tractate Sukkah, page six. What I'd like to focus on today are several issues: measurements, including the minimum threshold for fill, fulfilling or violating a mitzvah. The issue of halacha le-Moshe sinai something that uh, is given, considered to have been given by God to Moses at Sinai, not written in the Torah. And also, uh, what if we are deriving halachic items from the Bible? Do we rely on the Bible as it is written, or as the words are supposed to be pronounced? At the end of the previous page, the Gemara quoted Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 8 which speaking of the land of Israel says it is a land of wheat and barley and vines and figs and pomegranates a land of olive oil and honey. This is the famous verse that lays out what became known as the seven fruits of the land of Israel and besides the enjoyable nature and all the stories that go along with it these fruits are considered to have halachic significance in terms of measures, that the bulk of each one, be it a fig or a pomegranate seed, is an indication of some minimal halachic measure for some mitzvah. It could be the threshold uh, that sets above which one is supposed to fulfill a mitzvah, such as eating a particular item that's commanded, or a threshold above which one becomes liable if one is disobeying a mitzvah. The Gemara then says that actually the derivation of these various minimal measures constitutes a halacha lemoshe mi Sinai, a law transmitted by God to Moses at Sinai and not written down in the Torah. And Yes, we can speak of this biblical verse about the fruits of the land of Israel, but really that's there for support. It's not the full derivation of the matter. And in a further mention of an example of a halacha le-Moshe mi-Sinai, it is mentioned that Rabbi Meir states that the issue we described uh, on an earlier page is one of those laws given to Moses at Sinai, and not derived directly from the Bible, and that would be that principle of God vaasek mechitzata, extend and raise the partition. This, if you'll remember, was the case in which the proper dimensions of a sukkah can be achieved by, quote, raising the height of a pillar or a post that to the observable eye is not the proper height, is not as tall as it should be. The Gemara then pauses in the discussion of the height or capacity of a sukkah and discusses the number of walls it must have, referring to the Mishnah, which says that a sukkah that does not have three walls is invalid. The sages disagree with Rabbi Shimon about how long the walls need to be. And the Gemara comments that their disagreement is based on differing interpretations of how halakhically to read the text of the Bible. The sages hold by a principle that is known as Yesh aim Lamasoret. The halacha is derived from the way the words are written in the authoritative text of the Bible. Rabbi Shimon, however, holds to the principle of yesh la Lamikra, Halacha is derived from the way the words are pronounced, which in some cases is different. Those of you who read Torah or follow along with Torah reading will have noticed this principle or this difference between writing and pronunciation in the matter of kari and kativ, how a word is pronounced, versus how it is actually written in the Bible, and there sometimes are differences there. And when one was reading Torah or a Torah, you're supposed to go with the pronunciation, as is noted there, regardless of the spelling of the word. And here's how this principle plays out in our discussion about the walls of the sukkah. The sages focus on the fact that in Leviticus 23:42, which contains the obligation to dwell in a sukkah, the word in a sukkah, basukot, is written three times. They understand that to mean that there, are th- there need to be three walls of the sukkah. Well, what about the length? Two times in that verse, it is written without the letter vav and one time with the letter vav. And from that, they derive that one of the three walls of the sukkah need be no longer than a hand breadth. Rabbi Shimon, on the other hand, who holds that the pronunciation of the biblical words determines the halacha, uh, the fact that the word basukot is spelled differently in the same verse, makes absolutely no difference. It is pronounced just the same. From this he derives that a sukkah needs four walls, not just three. He goes through another interpretive process to arrive at the the fourth, and that the fourth is the one that need be no longer than a handbreadth. Following an elaboration of this, this discussion, The Gemara quotes Rav Matana, asking whether Rabbi Shimon, who holds that a sukkah must have three full walls, bases his view on a verse in Isaiah, chapter 4, verse 6, that there shall be a sukkah for shade and refuge. Now, Isaiah was not referring to an actual sukkah. He was using the word sukkah metaphorically at a, a future good time in the world when when there will be salvation for people, and an interpretation of that verse of Isaiah to mean that a sukkah without three full walls cannot fulfill its function as a refuge and a shelter. So what uh, Rav Matana has done is bring us back to the concept that a sukkah is a form of, of sacred space, and not only does it provide shade, and we've learned that that's required, that has to do with the amount of shade that the schach, the roofing, provides, but it should also be a refuge. So I'd like to suggest that we take that as meaning that a sukkah during the seven days of the festival function as a kind of shelter from the workaday, weekday world, and it becomes sacred, sacred space in that way.